I'm reading this evening from Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we've went there many, many times over the years talking. This is the last chapter of the writing of the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus said some very profound things that I want to apply to our lives here tonight. If you want to know and you want to see what Jesus thought about life and just practical living and Christian living, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Sermon on the Mount is a very powerful, powerful sermon that we pay heed to. So Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, I'm going to read it in the King James Version, then just for the sake of of you hearing it uh, in our own vernacular, I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. Here's what it said in the King James, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it failed not. For it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Here's the message Bible rendering of, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to read it the same portion in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I'm going to go in there in the message Bible, Luke 6, 46. Why are you so polite with me, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir? but never doing a thing I tell you. This is Jesus talking. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter, who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in. It collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. That ought to give you some semblance of where we're going tonight. I'm going to talk for just the next little while on building, everybody say this with me, building for life. We're building for life. That's what I want to talk about here this evening. Before I go into that, I forgot to make a couple of Good announcements that you need to hear. First of all, one week from tonight on a Wednesday night, there will be what we are calling Nacho nacho Average Family Night. Nacho being the main word. We're going to have family night. Nobody will be in here next Wednesday night. All of our youth are coming out. All of our kids are coming out. All of our staff, everybody's going to be at the family center. So just go straight to the family center and say this with me, 630. 
Come on, say it loud, 6.30. If you get here at 7 o'clock, you're going to miss half the party. We're starting at 6.30. And uh, we're going to have nachos and something to drink. There will be volleyball, board games. Uh, just If you don't want to do any of that, just come and sit around and fellowship and let's have fun and, and rub shoulders with one another. It's just a good family night. And I'm, I'm glad we're doing this. I think it's really, really good for our church. So next Wednesday. And then after that, on the next Sunday, the Carruthers, Mark and Lori Carruthers, will be here leading worship. And uh, you don't want to miss that. I can tell you. If you've not heard them, go listen to them. They're on YouTube. And uh, they, they, tra they are traveling now all over this United States and possibly the world. And uh, they are wonderful, wonderful people. And you don't want to miss that. So, before we begin this evening, let's put this parable in context. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus is teaching or who he's teaching. He's not teaching lost people here. He's saying this to his own disciples. So, what, what we're hearing Jesus say on the Sermon on the Mount is not to the world but to the church. So we're going to, to look into this. In fact, the message introduces this passage to show us that Jesus always expects more from his disciples than he does from just the normal crowd. How many of you believe that? We, if we're going to be a part of God's church, he expects some things from us. I'm glad to see you all back after I preached the way I did on Sunday and uh, it tells me that some of you are laying up treasures in the right place. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 in the Message Bible says this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and talked his climbing companions, and this is what he said. That is our introduction to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 in the Message Bible. Uh, I want you to notice that he climbed a mountain. I was on that mountain uh, four or five years ago now, and uh, they said this is where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount. And it was, uh, to me, it was intriguing because, and I, I, I can't even explain to you, it was a hillside. But he, he had to climb up the hill and speak down to those people. I think I've made mention of this before. But on that particular hillside, they, they said, one of you just talk. And I, somebody would just begin to talk. And it would literally echo down that hillside. It was something about that particular place and time. But Jesus went there to teach the sermon on the mount. And he climbed with his climbing companions. Let me tell you something. If you're not ready to climb, you can't follow Jesus. Because he's going to take you to the mountaintop. And he's going to teach us the things that we need to know. So that's why, listen closely and catch everything I'm going to say here right now. That's why there are two ways in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Two ways. Everybody say there's two ways. Here's what it said. One of them is narrow, and one of them is broad. There's two ways. Those that follow that narrow way lead 
to life. And that broad way, the Bible said, it leads to destruction. So here's what he's saying. There's two kinds of disciples. There's those that will walk the narrow way and those that will walk the broad way. Just stay with me for a moment. There's also two trees in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Two trees. He said there's two trees. One is going to bear good fruit. The other one is going to bear evil fruit. Two kinds of disciples. There's also two houses in Matthew chapter 7. He, he talked about things in twos. One of them had a foundation which was built upon the rock. That's the one I read about. The other is a foundation that was built upon the sand. One survived the storm. The other did not survive the storm. The same storm, perhaps the same framework, perhaps the same walls. But one was built upon a right foundation. So here's what Jesus teaches us about life. We, are, we have a choice to make when we start following him. We can be a good disciple or we can be a bad disciple. We can go the broad way or we can go the narrow way. We can build upon the rock or we can build upon the sand. We can produce that which is good or we can produce that which is evil. But here's what I want you to understand, and this is where I'm coming from on this Wednesday night. Every person in this building is building a house, every one of us. Nobody in this room, if you're following Jesus, you're building a house and nobody is exempt. Now, when we say the word house, I'm going to ask you to put a couple of scriptures up for me, Brother Tommy. In, this, in the scripture, the word house can be used as several things. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, you'll notice the scriptures when they come on the screen. It is talking about a person's own life. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through the dry places seeking rest and findeth none. And then the next verse said that thus he saith, I will return unto my house from which I came out, my house. It's a person's life. Your house can be your life. Furthermore, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, a, a house could be a person's family. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Watch what it said. One that ruleth well his own house. Talking about his own family, having his children into subjection with all gravity. The house can be referred to as a man's life. Also, or a man's family. Also, the house can be referred to as the Lord's house. First Peter chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. The Bible talks about God's house, talking about this being the house of God, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So when I talk about a house tonight, I'm talking about several things. Your life, your family, your church, and whether a person is building life or character or family or a society or a church or whatever it may be, the Bible warns us to build carefully. Everything we do in this world, we're building for tomorrow. 
We're building for something that will last. We're building a house, and we have to build it carefully. Here's what Paul said to the church at Corinth in the Message Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. He said, using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let's eat. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection, and if you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You will not be or get by with a thing. That's in the Message Bible, Paul talking to the church at Corinth. So you're building a house. you got to be careful what you build out of. That's why we have to say, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because everything affects, affects the building of our house. Every person is this. You are either wise in your building or you are foolish in your building. Every person. you got a choice to make. Proverbs said it this way. Proverbs 24 and 3. I'm using a lot of scripture here tonight, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. Proverbs said, through wisdom is a house building. And by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches through wisdom. So you got to be a wise builder. You got to you got to select your material well. You've got to build on the right foundation. You've got to make sure that things are done. You can't use cheap or inferior material because every work is going to be found out. And your house is going to be tested. There's things that you need to build upon that are written in the Word of God that will make you successful and make you build a house that the wind can't blow down and the storms can't destroy because it is a house built on the right foundation with the right material. Here's what the wise men said in Proverbs. Knowledge is the observation of the facts. This is what he's saying. Understanding is the explanation of the facts. And wisdom is the application of the facts. When you build, build with wisdom. And by understanding, it will be established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all pleasant and precious riches. So that's what happens when you build on the Word of God. I can't answer for you tonight. But there's enough out there that the world is trying to get us to build on. They want us to believe everything, but, well, I'm going to stop right there. But you can't believe everything they say. And you can't build your life on everything they say. Our life, I want to get it through to us tonight, has to be built on the Word of God. How many of you believe that tonight? Our, it's, it's important. It's imperative. We've got to be built. The biblical concept, the biblical concept of hearing and, and this is the same in the Word of God as obedience. 
Watch me right here. In other words, if you don't do what is said, you really didn't hear it. Bible said, he that hath an ear, somebody finish that. Let him hear what? What the Spirit is saying to the church. He that hath an ear, that's Bible. So the concept of, of, of hearing in the Scripture is the same as obedience. There are many similarities between the two builders that Jesus told about in this parable. In fact, the only real difference is that a man was wise and a man was foolish, and, and the foolish man built on a foundation that was not stable, and the wise man built on the rock, Jesus Christ. So the obedience comes from you hearing and you doing. This is why I read to you in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, the Bible said Jesus looked at them and said, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and you're not doing the things that I say? Why are you calling me your Lord and you won't obey me when I tell you what to do? Amen? It's not always easy to obey God, is it? I didn't hear a word. But it's not always easy. Sometimes God demands some things from us that's not an easy choice for us. But I'll tell you what James said in, in James 1.22. He said, be ye also doers of the word of God and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You can't just be a hearer. You can't just come to church. Look, watch me right here. You can't just come to church and hear the preacher. I told somebody this week, the greatest compliment that you can pay a preacher is not, oh, boy, that was a great sermon. That, that's, that's fine. Oh, preacher, I just love the way you preach. Thank you. Okay, that's good. But the greatest compliment you can pay a pastor, a preacher of any kind is when you do what he preaches according to the word of God. Not my word, not what I say, but what the word of God says. Amen? I have no right to put upon you my likes and dislikes. My wants are, are, are things I don't want. What I am obligated to do is preach you this right here. And when I preach this, you got to build on it. And if you don't build on it, we're going to all stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things we did or did not do. Somebody said amen. The foundation, listen to me right now. The foundation of a person's life, you ready, is obedience to the Word of God. Disobedience in person's life is like foolish building. It's like a house without a foundation. There's, there's three major parts of a house I want to talk about tonight in, in brief. I won't be long. Proper foundation. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a contractor or a builder, but, but I've been around long enough to understand if you don't get the foundation right, the walls are not going to be right. The roof's not going to be right. If you don't get the foundation right, nothing else is going to work. Amen? The foundation matters. It's the starting point. Here's what Psalm said. David said it. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations is the core value 
of where you have to start. Ephesians said, and, and we are all built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You know what the foundation of the apostles and prophets is? What they taught in this book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what? They're gospels. That's telling about the birth, the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the earthly ministry of Jesus. You can read that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What is Acts? Acts of the apostles. It's the beginning of the church. It's where the church was born. Acts is, is the birthday and the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost the miracles, signs, and wonders that came to the first church, the apostolic revival that was had, all of that is written in the book of Acts. And then we, and then we talk about uh, Romans through Jude. Romans through Jude is, is where the, the apostles and the prophets wrote epistles to the church. An epistle is a letter to the church. One folks said, they asked him what an epistle was. He said, I think that may be the apostles' wives. I don't know. But epistles are letters written to the church. The book of Revelation is the book of the apocalypse that tells the forecoming or the forthcoming of what is in the future. So <clears throat> there's divisions in the New Testament. I'm saying all this because I want you to understand something. You, you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read all about Jesus and his earthly ministry and the life, death, and burial, resurrection, all that. That's all good. If you want to know how to, how to get in the church, the church began in the book of Acts. But if you want to know what God demands of his church, read Romans through Jude. These are the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. And when Paul said that we're building upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, he is talking about the teachings of the apostles and the prophets from Romans through Jude. Does that make sense? That is what the Lord is talking about. So we, we find out how to get saved, but then we find out how to stay saved. We find out what God demands of us and wants us to be in the books of the epistles. So the, that, I just laid that out in brief because some of you don't understand that. You don't, you don't I mean, all of it's good, not, don't get me wrong, and it's all for us. But if you want to know what the apostles and the prophets taught, you go read what letters they wrote to the church and how they directed them and commanded them how they ought to live and how they ought to handle situations and what to do at various times in the church. That's the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Here's what Hebrews 6 said. I'll read it. Verse 1, so come on. Let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. I'm reading again in the Message Bible. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. Baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us. We'll stay true to all that, but there's so much more. Paul said, let's get on with it. I'm reading in a different translation. I, I got tickled the other day. 
and I, I preached Jimmy Myers' funeral, and if you've been around here very long, you know you know Jimmy Myers. He was pretty dogmatic about some things, and uh, they handed Goldie a Bible out at the out at the cemetery when the the service was over. They handed her a Bible, and she looked at me and she said, "Thank God, it's the King James version." Because let me tell you, Jimmy Myers didn't believe in nothing but the King James version. Matter of fact, Goldie said she had a conversation with him here a few days ago and said, well, Dad, I'm pretty sure Jesus taught out the King James Version. But that's how he was just setting his ways. Well, I'm reading you another version so you can, you can understand it better. But uh, we do believe in the, the King James Version is probably the most accurate version of the Scriptures that there is. So the proper foundation, does anybody know what the proper foundation is? It's salvation. It's salvation. I could talk a long time about that tonight, but you, when, you get, when you get saved and you come to God and you've repented of your sins and God has baptized you with his spirit and, and you're walking in faith, that's your foundation. Everybody say, that's just a start. You don't go building walls for you to put on a foundation of a house, do you? I've never seen it done that way. You don't build a roof and then say, you know what, we're going to build some walls to go under this and then we'll lay this foundation. Salvation's where it starts. You come to God, it's the foundation. You're, you're, you've got the right things according to the scripture and repentance and baptism and the receiving of the Holy Ghost. You've got all of that, and then you start building. Well, then there's the proper structure. This is the, the second thing I want to talk to you the three major parts of a house. You know, Noah's art probably uh, illustrates this truth better than anything I can think of because God gave Noah specific instruction. Have you ever noticed how specific God was with Noah? He said, I want so many cubits wide, so many cubits high, so many cubits long. He said, I want it built out of gopher wood, whatever that is. I want it pitched within and without. I want one door in it, Noah. And he said, I want one window in it. I want, I want the door and then I want one window looking out toward the heaven. You can go read in the scripture how the ark was built. It was a divine pattern. Noah, he didn't just say, Noah, go build a boat. And Noah, go out and say, well, you know, I think I'll start here. No, no, no. He had divine instruction. He knew what to do. And he built the ark that withstood the flood. I heard a preacher preach one time, and it's food for thought. He said, don't you think that maybe there was somebody else that said, well, we'll just build our own boat. You know, there's always people like that. I'll just do it my way. Elvis Presley did it his way, and you see where he's at. You can't do it your way. You got to do it God's way. Amen. So listen to me when I tell you, God has some divine instructions for the structure of the house that you're building. And Noah built it, and it withstood. But I can guarantee you one thing. There wasn't another boat that floated. There was another, wasn't another boat that withstood the 40-day flood that came and covered the earth. And every living creature upon the earth that wasn't on the ark died in the flood. Died. Because they did not build according to instruction. Genesis 6.15. Let me read it. And this is the fashion. This is in the King James Version. 
And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubic shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. How much more specific can you get? God said, this is what you got to do if you're going to survive. You know what? That's the way the Word of God is. Let me take you to the Old Testament tabernacle. The tabernacle illustrates the divine plan of God. God gave Moses the pattern for the tabernacle in the Old Testament, a framework that would survive 40 years of wandering in a wilderness. 40 years. But here's what he said in Exodus 25 and verse 8. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee. After the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. You know what 40 is in the Bible? 40 is a number of testing. 40 days, Noah, the ark. 40 years, Israel, they're wondering. God test our obedience, seeing if we're going to live within the framework of the divine pattern and what he has given us. So you have the foundation, which is your salvation, but you also have to have proper structure, which is the commandments of God. You've got to live. You know what Jesus said? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Somebody said, oh, I love the Lord. Okay. Keep his commandments. That's what the Bible said. Keep his commandments. I hurry. One other thing that is in your house is proper covering. Again, you you look at Noah's ark and Moses uh, with the tabernacle. uh, This is a truth. Each of them would have been operational without a covering, but neither of them would have been comfortable without a covering to protect the things therein. So what I'm saying to you, in particular, the covering of the tabernacle, it was beautiful on the the inside, but it was ugly on the outside. It was made of badger skin. And if you just saw it from the outside, you couldn't understand the glory that was on the inside. But God has a way of instructing us to build from the outside in or from the inside out. And let me tell you, when God puts his structure in place and his foundation in place and you put the right covering there the covering is the favor of God we we did this we 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 talked about this before in this church I believe the people of God ought to have the favor of God I believe that covering ought to be the favor of God don't you I want to tell you God wants you to he wants you to prosper and to be in good health the favor of God Come on now. You see this right here? That's a covering, the favor of God. I believe the church has the favor of God. Does anybody believe that with me? I'm hurrying real quick tonight. And then there's the parts of the house. But guess what? There's going to come major tests to your house. Floods are going to come. And they're going to test who you really are. If you, I don't want to discourage anybody, but if you are trying to live for God and you have never had a test, just get ready because it's coming. You're going to be 
You're going to be tested. Isaiah said, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. But when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. We got a defense against the flood. Floods are going to test your foundation. Revelation 12, 15 said, The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And ladies and gentlemen, in today's society, the enemy sends floods of all kinds against the foundation of the church of the living God. He knows that if he can get people to embrace something other than biblical salvation, it doesn't matter what they build on. It's going down if you're not built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. All other ground is seeking sand. I'm going to build on Jesus Christ because that is my foundation and that's what's going to keep me when it's all said and done. Amen. You're also going to be tested by the wind. Your house is going to be tested. The Bible said in Ephesians 4, 14, in the good word translation, it says this, then we will no longer be little children tossed about or tossed and carried about by all the winds of teaching that change like the wind or all kinds of teaching that change like the wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to us astray. Could I preach the truth to you right now? You can't change the word of God, but it can change you. Amen? Listen to me when I tell you this. The Bible said, not the dotting of an I or a crossing of a T. You can't change one jot or tittle is what the Bible said. And if you do, if you change the word of God, you are in danger of the plagues that are written about in this book. Anybody believe that? I, 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 and and this, is, this is no no. Nothing that you probably don't know. But there have been certain religions that have suddenly said, we don't want blood talked about in our, in our church. We, we don't want blood in our songbooks. We don't want blood in our, in, in, in our preaching. We don't want blood. We, we just want to take the blood out. We, you know, that's, that's really this has happened. This is a truth. And so you have... No power of the blood because you don't want to talk about the blood. And the blood is not important to your church. You can't take the blood. The Bible said the life of the flesh is in the blood. And the Bible also said without the blood there is no remission. It's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. Can you say amen? It's the blood that matters. Hallelujah. So so we can't do that. Uh, you know, there was another uh, organization that I, I heard of some time ago that said that uh, they were going to, listen to this, redefine sin. How do you redefine sin? Sin is sin. It's sin then and it's sin now. And it'll be sin a hundred years from now. Can anybody define sin according to the Word of God? It is a transgression against the law of God. That's what sin is. So, so sin doesn't change. Either it is or it is not. So 
what I'm saying to you is you're going to be tested by wind. The Bible said we can't be turned with every wind of doctrine. The Bible said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. When, you know, somebody can come along and turn you, we got to get grounded. That's why we got to read this book. We got to study this book. We got to talk about this book. We got to love this book. We got to believe the Word of God because we don't need to be turned with every wind of doctrine. Everybody that comes along that has, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It's already been here. You need to know that God has settled His Word in heaven and and, and the Word of God is truth. You can't write a new Bible. You can't put a new meaning. It is what it is, and we have to stand on the Word of God. Somebody shout amen. So wind represents, watch me, false doctrine. The storm, the floods from Satan, it's attack. The winds are false doctrine. One other thing. Not only will it be tested by wind and by floods, but the rains are going to test your covering. The rains are. Isaiah said that there will be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge for a covert and for a covert from storm and rain. Isaiah said that. There's going to be a place where you can get and get out of the storm and the rain. And, and, and the rain represents life's trials. Brother Chase Hoyt so beautifully spoke of it a week and a half ago here in his in his sermon about the pressures of life. In life, there's circumstances and situations and and things that temporarily come against you sometime that you don't know how to deal with. You can't be turned by that. You've got to understand you've got to keep everything intact. You can't be blown. You can't be moved. There's, there's safety in Jesus Christ and he will help you through the pressures of life and he'll take you through the trial and the temptation and the trouble that you're going through. There's no pressure that should be able to push you away from God, but it should bring you closer to God and make you a better child of God. So whether you're building a life, a character, a family, a church, or whatever kind of house you're building, you better build it right and you better build it solid and you better build it on the Lord Jesus Christ. The difference between a wise man and a, a foolish man in the building of his house is the obedience to the Word of God the obedience to the Word of God. It's the foundation in every Christian life. I want to read it again in the New Living Testament, James chapter 1, verse 22, and I'm hurrying to a close tonight. Remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you're only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Build your house, but build it with care and build it with, 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 with pure intention and do it because you know the Word of God says to do it. You know what the Bible said? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know what you ought to be doing, do it and do it according to the Word of God.
be obedient to the Word of God. Understand what God's Word said. Study it. Put it in your house. Let me, let me, let me, let me just close with this today. Let, let, me, let me say this to you from the bottom of my heart. I see a lot of people that are building on things that are not going to last. They're building on things that are going to be, they're temporary things. You can't build your life on money. You can't build your life on prestige. You can't build your life on popularity. You can't even build your life on, on your family and your friends or, 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 or some organization or some club. You can't build your life on a hobby. You can't build your life on things of this world. But let me tell you, when you get here and you say, God, I'm ready, I want to start building the things that you want me to build. And you take divine instruction out of this book. You take it from the Word of God. Brother, let me tell you, the storm can come, the wind can blow, the flood can, can come. You, nothing is going to destroy what you're building because you are carefully building your house on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. Hmm. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know who's building on the right things because only time will tell. We must all give an account and we're going to stand before God. And if we built out of things that were not of the Word of God, they're not going to last, especially in this generation. Have you ever seen a day like our day? Have you ever been in a time like our time? When when so much is going on around us, it's very easy to get disoriented. It's very you. Sometimes you don't know who to believe. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Sometimes you just don't know who to believe. And 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 it it can look so good. It can look like pie in the sky. It can look like this is the answer. It can even feel good. But you better line it up with this. And that's what we build on. Not personality. Not preacher religion. Not denominationalism. Not mere religion. Come on now. You build it on this. The love for God. The love for His truth. The Word of God. Without fear and without favor. I may not win friends and influence people, but here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to keep preaching the pure, unadulterated Word of God. If it's in that Bible, I'm preaching it. If it's not in that Bible, I ain't preaching it because I don't want to stand before God and say, I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to preach it if it's in this book. But if it's in this book, not only do I need to preach it, but you need to hear it, and we all need to become doers of the Word of God. Amen? Stand all over this house with me. Build your house. Everybody know you're building a house. Every day. When you get up tomorrow, you're building. When you go to bed tomorrow night, you're building. When you do all that you do through the day, you're building. You're, you're gonna, you're, everything you do, you're building. You say, oh, no, I'm, I'm not doing that right now. Yes, you are. Your character, your life, your personality, your goals, your, your everything, you're building. You're building a house. And when you build, you better build on Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for hearing me out tonight. Bible study is, I hope I didn't bore you here this evening, but I want you to get this down deep in your spirit and understand this is what God wants out of us. Build on the rock.